0: means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name. about the elaborate ways in which young couples this day and time tell their family and friends that they have a baby on the way. I think when Sarah and I were first pregnant with Jamie in the mid-1980s, you know, you waited a certain amount of time, and then you called your parents on the phone, and you told them they were going to be grandkids. Rather, there are special meals and parties and videos and emails all having to do with revealing the fact uh, that a baby is on the way, which is certainly a nice way to celebrate such a joyous occasion. I'm not knocking it. You know, if you put a phrase like baby reveal ideas into Google or Bing, you'll get about $2 their salt has something on their side about ideas to reveal the fact that a little one is coming, whether it's Amazon or Target or Etsy or jewelry stores, furniture stores, you name it. But the mother load, and no pun intended there, comes on the Pinterest website where they have, and this was the title, 750 babies. there where you can just peruse to your heart's extent. I mean, even if you're not creative, you know, you don't have to worry about it because you can go on there and find something you like, whether it's a t-shirt or your dogs or cats with a certain sign or whatever it happens to be. But you know, regardless of how many creative ideas you see online, you won't find something amazing as an angel. You may have noticed in our text this morning that an angel is what God chose to reveal to Joseph that a baby was going to be in his life. And He used this angel through the avenue of a dream. In verse 20, we can begin to read, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Now, I don't know if you ever do this, but if you read your Bible, a certain book, or a certain group of books like the Gospels, for example, underlining in red or some other color, Every time you see uh, the name Holy Spirit, you won't find very many marks in your Bible. In the four Gospels alone, it's less than 30 times, if my memory serves correctly. And that means that the Spirit's mentioned here in our text, not once but twice, is something we should sit up and take notice. We have to remember that the Jews connected the work of the Holy Spirit not only with the work of of creation, such as we see in Genesis 1, but also with the work of recreation, because they knew that sin had in some ways destroyed the world, the perfect world that God had created. And so they looked forward to the world's renewal and the Spirit would be active in that as well. A good biblical example of that, it seems to me, is Ezekiel chapter 37, where we have that wonderful vision of the valley of dry bones. And there God says, I will put My Spirit within you, and you shall live. The Spirit has this kind of creative power to give life and can easily conceive a child, And a woman who is a virgin, which to both Mary and Joseph must have been a fantastic proposition, and yet there it was happening before their very eyes. And they were to name this child Jesus. I'm sure you've heard before that Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. It means Yahweh is salvation or God saved. And Matthew tells us that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now notice that this comes very early in Matthew's Gospel. And in the larger picture, if you're a big picture, Matthew wants us to see that the coming of Jesus as the Messiah is consistent with what the Jewish people had hoped for for century upon century. It is a witness, if you will, to God's divine purpose in His religious history going all the way back to His covenant with Abraham and and Abraham's descendants after him. His work of redemption among His people Israel when He redeemed them from slavery and gave them freedom from the land of Egypt and the giving of the law and, and all of this and more pointed to the prophesied gift of the Messiah to come. One who would save. As the psalmist put it in Psalm 130, hope in the Lord. He will redeem Israel Iniquities. And obviously, this name Jesus points to that redemptive work, that willingness that God saves those who have even worked against Him, who have forgotten His ways, who have served other gods. The name Jesus specifies what the Messiah. with his use of Isaiah's words, Matthew is also pointing out another theme which is widespread in the Old Testament, the notion of God with His people. You may remember that when God gave the law to His people, the children of Israel in the wilderness, He emphasized the kind of relationship that He wanted with them. When He said in Leviticus 26.12, I God was in their midst as evidenced by the pillar of cloud that they followed through the day and the pillar of fire at night. This shows us the kind of God the Messiah is. He is one who is with us. And this title that Isaiah gives to this baby born of a virgin speaks to the same thing that of God's presence. And there are other emphases we could point out in this text, but I want us to spend most of the rest of our time on this notion of God with us. And of course, in significant ways, God is always with us. David teaches us that in Psalm 139 when he says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee? presence. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed and show, behold, you are there. God's everywhere. We can't get away from Him. You may remember that Jonah forgot this. Because when God called him to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to the people of that great city, what did Jonah do? He went in the opposite direction. He thought he could Run away from God. But that's not possible as he found out. We can ignore God. We can deny Him. We can curse Him. We can try and run away from Him. But God never disappears. His rule extends over all of creation. He is always present. omnipresent, as the theologians like to say. But as one scholar put it, Matthew says that with the birth of this child, God entered into human history in a new way. He is with us in power for our good and to bless. And surely that's good news for all of us in the kind of time in which we live, where we can't go anywhere without hearing about it so much unrest and uncertainty in the world today. And there's so much need in the world and so much need right here in our own community. It's good news that God is with us for our good and to bless. Now, specifically, as we've already mentioned, Jesus is here to save us. From our sins, That's what we need so desperately, for we know the truth of the Scriptures in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And just a little later, Paul tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is what? Death. So that's bad news. the case for our need for redemption, what sin has done to it, how it's destroyed, how it's broken our relationship with God. And the good news, He tells us, that God has met that need in the gift of His own Son, our Lord and Savior, this One who saved. of redemption. Notice that God continues to be with us. We see it clearly here in our text where he quotes the prophet Isaiah with this title, Emmanuel. But this is something Matthew emphasizes two more times in his gospel at important junctures. He does so in chapter 8. His gospel. That's where Jesus promises, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. So we see that he's Emmanuel once again. And if you if you remember the context of chapter 18, and what we talked about on the first Sunday of November in this uh, series, where we're talking about how Matthew has five prominent teaching discourses in this Gospel, and the chapter 18 is the fourth such discourse, and its subject is the church. And that's when Jesus gives us these words, that He's with us, where two or three are gathered together. You know, many times we use this verse to give ourselves assurance that God is hearing our prayers, and that's true. God does hear the prayers. but there's a more specific context because of what Matthew is talking about in chapter 18. He's talking about when something is going wrong in the church, when one of our beloved members is on the wrong path and not making any move to repent or change, and thus we finally have to place that person under discipline by the church. This is when strength and discernment. He's present to preserve the purity of His bride, the church. And then at the very end of His Gospel, we see Jesus as God with us once again. This is when Jesus gives His great commission to the church, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. You know, it's a a, a tremendous, unending task. And at the end of all of that, Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the close of the age. Yes, I've just given you a great commission, something that you will think is impossible. But I'm with you always, even to the close of the age. Jesus is with us to help His church to grow, to help us make disciples. With this title, Emmanuel, we can see, as one scholar put it, that God has entered human history declaring that He is the God with whom we have to do. God has entered our realm and we must reckon with Him. And of course, there are right. puts it in Matthew 10, everyone who acknowledges Me before men, I will also acknowledge before My Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I will also deny before My Father who is in heaven. This is such an important concept of how we reckon with God. That God went out of His way to prepare His people to understand its importance, as one commentator put it, to prepare us for Emmanuel. He predicted it and sent a prototype of it during the reign of Ahaz. You see, this is the original context of this notion of Emmanuel. That's why I had us read part of chapter 7 and 8 first reading of the prophet Isaiah. That's what he speaks to in those 7th and 8th chapters. And and I don't expect you necessarily to know a lot about King Ahaz, but he was not what we would consider to be a good king. He was a king of Judah, the southern kingdom. That's when the tribes had already split. There was a northern kingdom, Israel. There was a southern kingdom, Judah. God was kind to Ahaz, even though he wasn't a good king. And in Isaiah's seventh chapter, uh, we can read where God sent Isaiah to Ahaz to tell him not to be afraid of the northern kingdom, nor to be afraid of Syria, because those two were going to conspire together and take over Judah and kind of divide the land just to give assurance to the king, God told him to ask of him a sign. God was basically saying, I'll give you any sign you ask to show you that what I'm saying is true. This was a marvelous offer from God and and typically unheard of in the sense that He was going to allow Ahaz to live by sight instead of by faith with this sign that he'd promised to give him. But foolishly, Ahaz doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And if you read these chapters of Isaiah carefully, you find out why. Ahaz already has a plan. He's going to use Assyria. He's going to use that army to fight against Israel and the armies of Syria. And that just made me wonder deal with the challenges or the problems or the issues in our own lives. Lots of times we come up with those plans on our own. We can see Joseph do it in our text. He's going to divorce Mary quietly. That's his plan. Because all of a sudden he finds out his betrothed is with is with child. And he he knows it's not his child. his plan until God intervenes, tells him what's really going on, and shows him a better plan. And I think that's one reason that patience is a fruit of the Spirit as Paul teaches us in Galatians 5. Because many times we need to be patient when we've got something going on in our lives and we're wondering what we need to do, and it just may be that if we're patient enough, God will reveal to us what it is He wants us to do. I found out in my own experience that God doesn't mind making me wait. And I have a feeling He will make you wait from time to time. He wants to know if we're really going to trust Him. He doesn't make us wait out of spite. He's trying. Well, Ahaz didn't want to wait. He had his own plan, wanted to make his own destiny with the army of Assyria. But God had given the sign of Emmanuel. And as one person put it, God is there with Ahaz whether he wants him to be or not. Originally, God was there with Ahaz to bless. But if Ahaz turns his back, to carry out God's will for His life, then instead of blessing, there'll be curses. And we can say that definitively because of Deuteronomy 28. You know, that's that wonderful chapter. Something we ought to all read once a year. Because in that chapter, God makes it very clear that He expects obedience out of His people. And we find that wonderful spiritual principle in that chapter that God blesses obedience. But after He says all that He says about obedience, then He says, seeded in the short term. The long-term trouble came overflowing, reaching even to the neck as Isaiah described it there near the end of our first reading. Think about it. What a picture that really is of water coming up to your neck almost ready to overflow. That's how desperate you are. But the main point is that have anything to do with God's sign of Emmanuel, and there are plenty of people in our world today who are the same way with this baby born of a virgin. Some could care less; others may enjoy some of the Christmas season. They may even have a tree and give presents. They may take part in all the Christmasville events that this city has to offer. I mean, if you were downtown yesterday, there must have been 20,000 people right here in about a three- or 4 area. How many of them were here for the right reason? The message of a baby born in a manger who grew up to save the world from their sin many people, is in their mind nothing more than a fanciful tale propagated for century upon century. So like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or anything else along those lines. But this kind of thinking is missing the point that Isaiah and Matthew are both making. As one commentator put it so well, a manual is not a religious option for those who choose to embrace it. Emmanuel is the truth whether we choose to embrace it or not. Ahaz found that out. And so did the world on the third day after Jesus' crucifixion. He's the one who saved And He's still the One who is with us by the power of His Holy Spirit today and all the way into eternity. It's the good news of the Gospel and it's the truth of Advent.